You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 598 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and it's emergency edition of the podcast. Not the craziest, most high-profile trade in the world, but a trade broke early in the day on Wednesday. And joining me to talk about this and uh, a couple of other things, I suppose, is the great Jeff Siegel. What's up, man? Doing well. How are you? I'm all right. Um, normally, I don't like to record podcasts in my car, but that's currently where I am. It's 12.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time um, on Wednesday. And the Hawks executed a trade this morning, and I broke into emergency fashion because, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen for agency, so let's just talk about it right now. The Hawks send Solomon Hill and Miles Plumley to Memphis in exchange for for Chandler Parsons, which is a deal that was uh, sort of floating around as a possibility. I know in our Peachtree Hoops comments, one of our moderators was pushing that as an option. This is one of those uh, true consolidation deals in that there's nothing else going on, and it's just a two-for-one, no picks. And uh, for me, the clear upside here for the Hawks is creating a roster spot. But what, what, what was your first reaction when you saw this deal come down? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing for the Hawks is that they they need a, a roster spot right now because they, you know, we're going into the summer with 14 guys. Now that they, uh, they, you know, execute this two for one, they're down to 13. They can use about $14 million in, in free agency plus $4.8 million in the room exception. If they want to on those last two spots, I would be, I would be surprised if they use, you know, both of those entire amounts, but they, you know, they have that option available to them as, as they, uh, you know, complete the rest of their summer we'll see sort of where they, they decide to go from here. But I think that's the most important thing here is that they have an open roster spot now and another open roster spot. So I think that's, that's the only part of this that really matters. The, the, the players involved are, you know, the, the money involved is, is pretty much the same, you know, down to a few hundred thousand dollars. So it's really just about opening up that, uh, that roster spot. Yeah. It's pretty neutral. As you said, from a cap perspective, um, the numbers are specifically, if you want to dive into them, are on Jeff's website at earlybirdrights.com. A nice little plug here for the work that you're doing. But um, to that to that end, I mean, there's a lot of angles we can sort of attack here. Um, you, you referenced the roster spot crunch and the fact that now the Hawks have 13 guys. And honestly, it could be 12 if they want to move on from Jalen Adams, who's non-guaranteed. So they have 12 guys who we know we're going to be around, you'd imagine. And then you throw in the 13th with Adams, who's currently on the roster. We'll see how they handle that in the future. But, I mean, Chandler Parsons is a interesting um, newly incoming player. You know, the guy's going out. Solomon Hill was, was only here for uh, a couple of weeks, even in theory. And then Miles Plumley. you know, we kind of documented his, his ride in Atlanta. Uh, you know, he was part of a salary dump to get him here as part of the Dwight Howard trade. Now part of a salary dump to go, to go out. He was on the court some, but I don't really have to uh, talk too much about those guys going out. It was basically a salary move. But as for Parsons coming into Atlanta – there's a possibility that he could be bought out. That was the first thing that I thought and that you thought was that it could happen. Uh, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, who broke this trade, uh, shed a little bit of light saying the Hawks could be open to keeping him, but at the same time left the door open for buyout discussions because apparently he had been discussing a buyout in Memphis. Um, you know, So I guess the first thing we talk about is buyout. If you're the Hawks, what is the incentive to buy Chandler Parsons out? Um, or not buy him out if that's if that's where you stand on this because you know when he's healthy he might be able to help you but he's just not been healthy I think he's played less than 100 games in the last three years and he's only 30 years old but he probably has the knees of a 50 year old. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the the big thing with a buyout is how much he's willing to give back. I mean, he was not willing to, you know, to give back enough to where Memphis was willing to do that deal, you know, with him, uh, you know, individually. So they decided to move him on for for two smaller smaller players in in Hill and Plumley. So whether the Hawks are are going to be able to work a buyout really depends on how much money they want back. If they just want the veterans minimum back, that's not going to really help them that much. They already have more, you know, more spending power than they probably need. The the biggest reason to do it would be to open up another roster spot, but they, you know, they do, I don't know how many they really need. I mean, it depends on what they're, what they really want to do. They've got more information, obviously about what kind of free agents are interested in coming there and, and what sort of, uh, rotation that they're looking at going into next year it seems like to me uh you know that that he will be on the team to to open the season and that he'll be in the in the power forward rotation of course he has to stay healthy like you were saying you know 95 games in three years after signing this massive deal that he's about to finish this season he's never been able to to stay healthy and then obviously once they decided to go in a little bit more of a tanky direction at the end of last year uh, or, or during last year, he was not even with the team for for a lot of that year. So you know there was there was certainly some some bad blood at, at some point between Parsons and Memphis. So you know whether the Hawks you know want to go in in that same direction seems unlikely. They they're not really you know haven't been a team that sends people home or, or sends people away. They're just willing to to play their guys. And you know I think Parsons can I think Parsons can help them. Like he's not. If he's healthy, of course, and like there's no way to know that from here. There's no way to know how he's feeling right now. There's no way to know how, you know, that he's going to play 70 games or 30 games next year. You know, but, you know, the Hawks have a great training staff. Chelsea Lane is one of the best in the business. Maybe she can work her magic, get her, get, get him healthy, get him back on the floor. You know, if he's healthy, he's the dribble pass shoot guy that, that Travis Schlenk loves. You know, he 37% from three for his career can create for himself, can create for, for, for his teammates. Like he's a, a, an all around secondary playmaker at the, the, the forward position, whether he's the three or a four, like he's, he's somebody that the Hawks love if he's healthy. And of course that's a huge if right now. Yeah. And that's the question that we just can't answer. Um, and that also goes into the buyout discussions because if the Hawks view him as a potential rotation player, which he probably would be if healthy, they have far less incentive to buy him out, but if they don't, and if they just want to create the roster spot and then get Parsons to give some money back, it could be worth that as well. So, you know, no source information here as far as the buyout is concerned. That's definitely on the table. It certainly would not surprise me if they bought him out. It would not surprise me all that much, though, if they brought him into the season either, based on where they are right now. We could talk about um, Parsons a little bit more later, I suppose, but I mean, in theory, and we'll try. We'll try, we'll go to this in a minute. But you know, Parsons could be like a backup four option for them, which they don't have a whole, a whole lot of right now on the roster, which which we'll touch on. Um, you know, aside from the buyout negotiations, potentially there isn't um, too much happening in terms of the Parsons element. It's just the rest of the stuff is free agency based. So we're gonna take a quick break here, and then we'll come back and talk more about what the Hawks might do as a result of this trade. All right, Jeff, we're back, and uh, the big dominoes to fall may, are, I guess, are still in the uh, in the offing because, you know, we've we've talked about plenty between uh, our, you and I doing a free agency free agency primer, uh, I guess, about a week ago now, and then myself on this podcast the last few times that we recorded, including last night, talking about free agency options. Um, one of the questions that I got the most probably after this trade, other than just the logistics about it, was why the Hawks waited to do this deal because you know free agency has been. F- flying fast and furious there are still some names that are semi-interesting on the market for the hawks but if they knew they were going to create a roster spot 
they would have obviously wanted to do this a little bit earlier. So we never know how those negotiations go, but that was a question that I got asked and uh, I can't really give people an answer because ideally you would have had the, the extra roster spot, you know, two, three days ago. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, there are two sides to, to the negotiation. I'm not sure Memphis was totally willing to, to move on from Parsons, but then they, you know, they obtained Andre Godala and the whole, you know, Brooklyn, Golden State, Memphis sign and trade thing that uh, that happened with Kevin Durant, D'Angelo Russell. And maybe that's when Memphis decided, oh, actually, like now we're more willing to move on from Parsons. You know, maybe they were working a, a buyout with him and then, you know, found in the last you know couple of days that it wasn't going to it wasn't going to happen. So that's when they started to engage teams on on that uh, on that front. You know, they might have been you know, Memphis might have been talking to to Cleveland a little bit about J.R. Smith's contract and how that might have worked out with Chandler Parsons. So there were a lot of, of moving parts here from Memphis's point of view. Certainly from the Hawks, this trade makes a bunch of sense. This made tra- trade makes a bunch of sense right now. It did a few days ago. It did in late June. It did at the draft. There are all time, you know, all kinds of times when this would have made sense for them. But it may, you know, it takes two to tango, and it may have been that that Memphis had other things in mind, and then you know found out that those you know those things fell apart. Yeah, it's always important to reference that because I agree. I think for, for the Hawks, if you knew that, that you could have this deal done a few days ago, you would have done it. Um, I think. If anything, this deal favors Atlanta. I'm, you know, the Memphis angle is almost more interesting than we could talk. We don't have to talk about that because it's not a Lockdown Grizzlies podcast. But I'm not sure why the Grizzlies did this trade. Um, but alas, here we are. And you know, for the Hawks' perspective, they should have done this trade earlier if they were able to. But we just we just can't know that. It's the same thing as free agent signings. I know people have been seeing deals for Kevon Looney or Willie Colley Stein and just saying, why didn't the Hawks do that? And it's like, well. You can't know um, what the dynamics are in play. You know, obviously, if the Hawks could have signed Kevon Looney for three or fifteen million dollars, I would have endorsed that. If they could have gotten Willie Cauley Stein for peanuts, I would have endorsed that. Same with Noah Vonley, but you just don't know the dynamics in play. Maybe those guys didn't want to come here, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's always a two way street, which is important to keep in mind when you're observing things from the uh, from the outside. Um, so to that end, though, you know, what's the next step in free agency? Because this roster right now. It didn't change all that much in some respects because, you know, Solomon Hill is sort of a comparable figure in terms of position to Chandler Parsons, a hybrid 3-4, could play some 3, can play some 4 in sort of an emergency capacity. And Miles Plumlee was clearly the, the sort of the last guy standing, and uh, uh, I guess at the center spot. But at the same time, the depth in the Hawks' front court is not terribly significant right now. You have some guys who you trust. You have John Collins. You have Alex Len. You have Amari Spellman, who is going to be a factor. You have Bruno Fernando, who I suppose is, is going to be playing as a rookie to some degree. But that's only four guys on the whole team that can play center. And then even beyond that, Power 4 is not overflowing with options because behind Collins at, at the 4 spot, Spellman can play there, but you know Fernando and Lynn cannot play there. And I suppose you might go to like Evan Turner or you know Parsons on the team, Parsons or maybe even DeAndre Hunter. But there's, I guess the, at the end of the day here, the Hawks are, I thought I, I was on record as saying the Hawks should sign another big man even before this. And now I think they absolutely have to sign another big man because as much as Plumlee was uh, you know wildly overpaid, etc., he was someone who is an NBA player when he's, when he's, when he's healthy and on the floor and gave them some, some insurance that they don't really have now. So all that to say, what happens now? Because the Hawks need a big man, and the the pickings are slim. There are some guys who I know I like a little bit. They're still available, but they're in a spot where the need is now greater, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that that they could definitely use another big man just for depth purposes. You know, if that, if that guy can can sort of supplant Fernando in the rotation, that would be good only because, you know, Fernando's a rookie second round pick. You don't want to, you know, rely on him too much. You don't want to, you know, throw him into the fire, you know, too quickly, too early, especially, you know, with the way that they, they sometimes like to develop guys a little bit slower, slower. 
there are, I mean, there are a bunch of, you know, third centers out there. You know, if, if Len and Spellman are going to be the, the two primary centers going into the year, there are a bunch of guys out there who can play that third center spot. Or, you know, if, especially if, if one of them can, can shoot, you can move them a little bit around to, to the four or the five. You know, so there are, there are options out there, but, you know, it's, there aren't a, a ton of great ones, obviously. I mean, this, at this point in, in free agency, as we're talking here, you know, July 3rd, it, there aren't a ton of, of guys left, but there are, you know, certainly decent options. And Vita Zubac from, uh, from the Los Angeles Clippers, Czech Diallo, formerly of the Pelicans, you know, Kem Birch in Orlando. There are a few decent options out there, just none that, you know, are going to knock your socks off or certainly none that are going to, you know, supplant Len as, as the starting center. Yeah, I mean, you're looking, at, you're looking at depth options in terms of the guys who are actually free agents. The only true center that could be a starting level option that's available is Boogie Cousins, who we talked about yesterday on the podcast. For what it's worth, Chris Kirchner of The Athletic uh, reported on Wednesday morning that the Hawks are not interested in Boogie. Um, of course, you know, the team doesn't have all that much incentive to tell him the, the truth, but that's some, that's some reporting that's uh, I, I think is definitely worth considering here. And I talked about Boogie yesterday on the podcast. I don't want to go too deep, too deep there necessarily, but he's the only guy that even could challenge Lynn for starting center spot that's available, at least free agency-wise. Um, they can certainly make trades, etc., but for now, the, the pickings are kind of slim. They're, the only other player, and he's not a center, in my opinion, uh, or really has played there really at all, the only other guy who's like of starting quality that's available on the free agent market that the Hawks could consider is Jermichael Green. He's, he's a power forward, to, to be sure, but because the Hawks have a couple of guys in Collins and Spellman that can play center but also play power forward, you could theoretically add a power forward and play around that with the way that the Hawks are constructed. I don't think that's a perfect fit, but in terms of just on-court impact and a guy who's available, Green is better than those centers than those center options. He's a better player than Birch and Zubach. Um, I'm not sure that he's a perfect fit necessarily, but he's someone who I've had on my sort of running list of big men, even though he's not really a center that could make some sense. But you know, the, I guess the moral of the story here is that the uh, there are no great options. You're talking about depth, and I do think that they, that they absolutely have to sign someone. Um, and my favorite guy on the list that we've talked about so far is probably Ken Birch, but that's still a backup center. He's not going to change your life necessarily. Um, do you have a, a preference of someone who's available? And uh, by the way, some of these guys are restricted, like Birch and Zubach are restricted, and Birch, you know, is probably easily gettable because of Orlando's situation, but maybe not because the Magic are weird. Yeah, I mean, I don't have like a specific guy who interests, especially among the young guys, or among Birch or Zubach or Diallo. You know, whatever. I mean, they're all fine. Like they're all going to play. <laughs> Huge uh, endorsements but, there from Jeff Siegel, everybody. Huge endorsements. <laughs> I mean, what you know, it's fine. You know, it's, it makes you sense. Salah Mejri is another one. He's unrestricted from Dallas. He'd also be fine as yeah, a guy he's, who's he's older, big. right? Is he like 30, 32, 33? Like he, he'd definitely be a stopgap one year kind of, which is fine. That's all they kind of need is just another body, frankly. But, um, you know, there, there are different kinds of things here because, you know, Birch and Zubac are younger. Diallo is younger. Christian Wood could be available in the near future, potentially. He's a younger guy. But none of these guys are, it's not sexy. And I know that's, that's kind of boring. Um, but they just need some more depth. And may, maybe, listen, if the Hawks viewed Amari Spellman as a center, like full-blown only center, they could use a power four instead of a center, frankly. So that's that's a that's a that's an organizational question that they have to answer. Uh, you know, the way they used Spellman last year was more at the four than the five. So maybe they, maybe they don't they don't view it that way. So it's just interesting to discuss. And because they have two roster spots, I think for me, I would assign one of them to center. But there's also another one that's out there. They don't have to use it. They can they can carry fourteen. But you know, Vince Carter is now probably back on the board more than he was before. Um, maybe maybe a guard is back on the board in some ways. Potentially, if they move on from Jalen Adams. There are lots of 
options here. And honestly, there are more options than there were yesterday, given the extra roster spot. But for me, the only thing that you absolutely have to have is someone in the front court, whether it be at the four or the five. And that kind of depends on team need and what the Hawks view of Maurice Bellman. Yeah, and, and how they view Bruno Fernando and, how, and what he yeah. can bring to the table. I mean, certainly right now, as we sit here on July 3rd, they probably don't know that much about Fernando. He's not like, I don't think he's practicing with them because he's not he, officially he's a member of the team. He's not supposed to be. I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, it's worth, it's worth pointing out that the Hawks are not necessarily trying to, I mean, they're going to be trying to win next year. They're not, they're, not, they're not tanking anymore. But at the same time, they're not in win-now mode in the way that a playoff team would be. So maybe you want to play Fernando more because, you know, he's not a, you know, he's in a little bit older than some as a, as a backup center. He's not, he wasn't, he wasn't a true one and done kind of guy. And honestly, he could, he could have been a first round pick pretty easily. He's someone who they could theoretically just say, look, Bruno, you're, you're the backup center from day one. That would not blow me away because of the way, because of where the Hawks are in the pecking order right now. It's just a situation where even if you thought that, you would still want another option. Uh, that used to be Miles Plumley. He's not there anymore. So even if it's just someone like like Plumley, who's a pure insurance depth piece, they can go out and do that. Even if they like Bruno Fernando and want to play him more, because honestly, you could certainly make an argument for a rebuilding team that playing Bruno Fernando real minutes this year is not a bad thing. But you just don't know what you're going to get from a second-round pick of any kind. Even if you like him, I know, and I know, I know Hawks fans do, and I had him um, as a pretty good value at 34. But still, he's a second-round pick rookie, and most rookies are not going to be great right away. And the Hawks might be okay with that. We saw that last year to some degree and you know, in previous years. But they also, as you referenced earlier, have a track record of bringing guys around slowly if they need to do that. Like Spellman last year, for instance, wasn't playing a ton all the time. And Spellman was seen as probably a higher priority than Fernando just because of where he was drafted and the fact that he was a little bit more established in some respects coming out of college. So, I don't know. It's an interesting dichotomy, but they're going to just have to get some more depth somewhere. Do you, you know, are you just, you know, if we assume a center is, an, is a priority to some degree, what would you do with the other spot, you know, in a vacuum? It's not easy for us to point that stuff out, but... Would it be Vince Carter? Would it be Justin Anderson? Something like something like that that's low profile? Or would you be going like more in the backcourt or just kind of best player available? Yeah, I mean, certainly if they're interested in bringing Vince back and he's interested in coming back, you're sort of making a roster spot like in, in a trade like this. And, you know, if Parsons can't play, which you can't assume he will be able to play, yeah, you know, I mean, they're, yeah. they are a little bit thin at the power forward spot. But like, he helped you know, with, but, I mean, Vince, but, Vince from last year would help them right now. Like, almost certainly, just because even if he wasn't playing from day one, you kind of know what he's going to be. And as a back, as a backup or maybe third power forward, he would help them. It wouldn't just be about locker room stuff. That's a huge part of the Vince Carter experience at, at age 42. But he would probably help them on the court, too. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, if you look sort of further up the up the board and, and where you know where they are at the at the small forward spot you know Solomon Hill was going to fill some minutes there Parsons may be able to if he's healthy and so they've got like DeAndre Hunter Cam Reddish they can go a little bit smaller you know but you know are they going to want to play Hunter a bunch at the four you know given the fact that you know they have only basically two rookies at the three in, in Hunter and Reddish they'll play you know they, they may play Bembry there yeah, they Bembry's may play, play you know, there, I assume but Kevin Herter as well I mean you have you have cause, because because you have Alan Crabb on the roster, I would assume that Benbury will see some time at small forward. But regardless, you have your top two small forwards on paper are rookies. And one of them and Hunter could play the four. But regardless, they're still, I mean, I know they're lottery picks, but they're still rookies. Uh, you you got to have to build in a little bit of cushion when you're talking about guys who never played in the NBA before. 
Yeah, and so you know, if you if you sort of think of Hunter more as a three, and you're not sure what you're going to get from Parsons, and Collins is of course the starting the starting four. Turner's going to be the backup four, but also the backup point guard. So that's a little weird, but like defensively, <laughs> yeah. he's still the backup four. So I think that's you know that's sort of what we're talking about here. Spellman, of course, can play the four, can play the five. That sort of versatility, you know, might be a, a big reason why they they drafted him in the first place. You know, that that versatility is is going to be use, useful this year, I believe, uh, depending on what they, they do with their other guys. They could go for a guy like Jermichael Green. You mentioned him. Um, you know, he's he might almost be too good for what they have available unless yeah, they're going to start him and Collins together. Which they're not. Uh, you know, because, <laughs> they're not which do doesn't that. make a ton of sense. I mean, they've been, they've been adamant in every possible way that John Collins is a power forward. And, like, they want to play him at the four. They want to develop him with his ball handling and facilitating and shooting and they want him to play the four on both ends of the floor. He's not, you know, he doesn't have the, the, the pick and roll recognition right now to defend at the five. He's much more of a, a weak side rotator, a weak side shot blocker. He's a four through and through is as much as sort of, it makes sense to eventually sort of transition him into, to a center spot because of, you know, how big he is. And, and as he begins to eventually lose some of the, the nuclear athleticism that he has right now, He's still a four right now for for right now. And so, you know, bringing in Jermichael Green is the best player available of all these guys. I think Green's probably a better player than Cousins even, you know, but I mean, that's, low, that's lower upside, but certainly higher floor. So I mean, it's just a it's kind of what you're looking at. But to your, to your point about Collins, I mean, I, I'd be willing to bet that he's going to play some center this year, but it's more in that like closing small ball lineup stuff. He's not going to ever be a primary center this season. He is the team's, you know, far and away, obviously best power forward. So I agree that, that that's kind of what I was saying earlier about Green's fit. It's not perfect. He's just he's just head and shoulders better than the other options. So if he falls in your lap, you just go ahead and sign him. But you know, fit wise, it's it's not great. Yeah, I think that's that that would be the reason to do it is if you if Vince moved on or Vince doesn't want to come back or or whatever, and they decide like sure, Jermichael Green for ten million dollars for one year, and Green's you know Green's market sort of evaporates elsewhere for, for whatever reason. I mean, I think he's he's a good player. He made, I believe it's roughly $7.5 million last year. Was better than that, you know, especially for the Clippers in the playoffs. He'd also he be tradable some, on, that, on that contract, for sure. Yeah, sure. If, if You know, at $10 million, you can certainly trade him at the deadline and and move on from from him, get something, you know, positive uh, as an asset play for, for him in, in February. So, you know, there's that angle to it, too. If he's interested in coming, he played some small ball five for the Clippers, particularly in the playoffs playoffs next to Danilo Gallinari so you know there is you know a a conception of this team where he and Collins could play together you know but the fact that they can't really offer him a starting position even if he might close for them that that might you know be be enough to send him elsewhere I think he should have suitors you know around the league elsewhere but you know they can give him more than the mid-level exception even the mid-level exception money is sort of drying up around the league right now and, and he's still unsigned and he's you know not even really rumored to be you know talking to a lot of teams at, at this point at least from what we know publicly so there's a chance you know that that he falls into their laps at you know 10 11 million dollars and they use most of their remaining cap space on him and that would be a, a move i would endorse for them if they you know if that happens but you know, for right now, it's it's more speculation. I don't think he would be as as interested in the Hawks as the Hawks would be interested in him. Yeah, I, I think for sure that, you know, the smart bet at this moment is that the Hawks are not going to sign a big ticket free agent. Um, and they will roll with some of their cap space into 
um, into the season. Now, they, they could certainly still do the Sean Livingston salary dump kind of stuff that I talked about yesterday's podcast where you take him in, maybe get a small asset from, from Golden State, uh, buy him out, only have to pay him $2 million, et cetera. They could still be in the market for salary dumps el- elsewhere. But you know, in terms of the guys who could conceivably sign an eight-figure contract in free agency, those guys are basically limited at this moment to Cousins and Michael Green. And if Cousins, if the reporting from Chris Kirshner is accurate, that they're not interested in Cousins, cross him off if you want to do that. And then it's just kind of not really out there. Everybody else that you're looking at um, is of a, of a lower cost variety, maybe multiple years on some of these young guys potentially, but not not huge cost. Um you know, on the perimeter, they could sign somebody else. I mean, I'm not opposed to that. I know a lot of Hawks fans like sort of recoil at the thought of them signing a, a perimeter player, particularly on the wing, because of they're worried about playing time stuff, and that was part of the issue with Bazemore. But I think if you if somebody falls in your lap there, you could certainly get a value. I wouldn't be opposed to somebody like that. Um, you know, Catavius Caldwell Post with someone that I floated out there. Not a priority, but if you get him at a great value, he can sort of guard point guards and be a little, little bit of a hybrid guard for you. Can can shoot a little bit, maybe a good value to trade, etc. Um, and then you have point guard where I'm not sure it would, be, it would be a good idea to spend a roster spot on a point guard unless you were going to cut Jalen Adams. Um, so that's, that doesn't really cut into your roster spot issue, but I'd still be willing to sign guys like DeLon Wright, for instance, if you fell on your lap or um, if you wanted to take a, I mean, I don't think a pure backup point guard is a great value necessarily with Troy Young, uh, but you know, with, with Evan Turner for some, from, for some insurance, if Young were to get hurt, I think DeLon Wright's my favorite guy by far, but Quinn Cook, a former Hawk, as a floor spacer to play with Evan Turner, maybe maybe pretty a pretty decent idea in some ways. There are some creative options you could have, but nothing that I'm like overwhelmingly in love with. Is there something that you see out there that you just think is a great fit for the Hawks specifically, or is it just kind of grab the best value available and see what happens? I mean, I think a, a guy like Cook would be just a, a massive upgrade over what Jalen Adams gives you. So like Adams is literally just a a shooter. He can he, that's his entire that's his whole NBA you know, skill portfolio right now is that he can shoot the ball. He's not much of a a ball handler. He's not much of a real point guard, you know, so, and and obviously he's, he's too small and and just not good enough defensively to really bring any positive value on that end. So he's really just a shooter and Quinn cook is a a better shooter, a more proven shooter. Just every, every part of that is, is better. So if you could pick up somebody like that, who, who can just sort of space the floor at a much higher, you know, better, better way than, than Adams does, you might as well go go that route. I would I would think that that makes a ton of sense if they wanted to do more of sort of a hybrid guard who could play with Young, play with Turner. You know, Delon Wright, Tyus Jones, you know, those those guys. You know, make make a lot of sense. Alex Caruso is is a restricted free agent for, with the Lakers. If you if you if Kawhi Leonard's you know decision sort of extends into the weekend or even into into next week you could throw an offer sheet at caruso and and if the if the lakers have to match then that takes off their cap space if they still think they're in the Kawhi derby then they're not going to match so you know there, there there are some interesting things you could do with caruso as soon as the weekend comes on on july 6th is when you can start to sign restricted free agents so that that would apply to the same way with Wright and Jones. You got to wait until until July sixth to to do those deals anyway. So they've got some you know they've got some some flexibility in terms of timing. They can wait a few days on those guys. They can go after Cook, who's now an unrestricted free agent. They can do that right now if they want to. But you know they're I'm not sure that there are a ton of, of great options that are that are not just sticking with Jalen Adams, who has been in the in the system for a year, seems to to get along with the guys, seems to be a guy that they they seem to like. He's you know not my favorite guy. I, I would I would be I would be actively looking to to move on from him, but they seem to like him more than I do, and it's I'm I'm fine with that. 
Yeah, and you know, and some of the incentive to cut Adams would be to gain the million dollars in cap space. But with where the Hawks are, that doesn't really. There's not really the urgency to do that either. I do think that they, you know, ideally would have a better option than him. But it's not the end of the world if they just roll with Jalen Adams because, you know, he's not going to be playing unless there's an injury. So it's just one of those things. I do think that that the Cook fit is particularly interesting because of Evan Turner. If your plan is to go with Evan Turner as your backup point guard, which it seems to be by all counts. You know, having a shooter in the backcourt with him that can also sort of defend point guards a little bit. He's not great on defense by any means, but a more like point guard size player, so that you're not asking um, Turner and Bembry to play together because that does, that's not going to work on offense. Um, so yeah, just just some interesting lineup construction things. And honestly, something I keep coming back to on the pod and elsewhere is just how many vers- versatile options the Hawks have. Guys who can play multiple positions, lineup stuff, and weirdness. I, I, I say weirdness as a good thing, like good lineup weirdness, where you can actually get kind of strange with Evan Turner lineups. And when you win, you can sort of play up and play play bigger, play smaller. Um, some versatility is interesting. And uh, by the way, going back to Parsons to bring this thing full circle, he would help with that to some degree if he's able to play. And again, we don't know if he's going to be able to play or if he's going to be on the team past today. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things as we, as we record now at 1.04 p.m. Eastern time. This is kind of where we are right now. And uh, a lot of options, none of them definitive. But the Hawks now have two roster spots, as many as three roster spots to play with. And the only thing that I think they, that they absolutely have to do now is get someone else in the front court. Every, everything else is kind of on, on the table. And even then, that could be a minimum signing that happens in late July. That wouldn't blow me away. Like last year, they signed Daniel Hamilton like on like July 27th or something. So they could wait for weeks. It doesn't have to, have to be now. It's kind of boring, I know, for Hawks fans to not have much going on. But listen, there was a trade today. You had something to talk about. Yeah, I mean, that's and the, and the team was sort of set coming into the year. This you know opens up a little bit of an extra roster spot, gives them a little bit more flexibility in terms of what Parsons can do. Of course, if he's healthy, you know, to, to your point about multi-positional, multi-role players, they've got a bunch of those. You know, as you look down the roster, there's only maybe three guys on the whole roster who can really only play one position. You know, I think Alan Crabb is is the rare perimeter player who is literally just a yeah, shooting guard. He can, <laughs> you know, he is not. A he's not somebody who can defend point guards. He, he's not big enough to defend threes. He's not versatile enough with the ball in his hands to be, you know, a, a playmaker of any sort. He's literally just a two who can defend his position somewhat. Who can at least he you could throw him up against an opposing point guard and not you know an opposing shooting guard and not feel awful about that. And then he can knock down shots. And that's his whole. That's his whole NBA archetype, and so you know he is somebody who is a one-position player. Trey Young is, of course, a one-position player. It's the most important position, so that's nice. But he's he's obviously you know a, a point guard, a primary playmaker who who really you know can't defend anybody, but certainly can only defend point guards. You're not putting him up against anybody bigger than that. Alex Len is is just you know strictly a center. Bruno Fernando is going to be strictly a center, but that's really it. I mean, you look up and down the roster, like those are the only guys who can really only defend one position. I mean, Jalen Adams, of course, is just a point guard as well. But uh, like we said, I'm not uh, not a huge fan of, of Mr. Adams. Um, <laughs> I mean, and at point guard, I, I mean, th- they at least try young Adams together. That's not going to work defensively ever. But because both those guys can shoot, like they could play with a different point guard, for instance. Like if you played, if it wasn't each other, like if you signed someone like DeLon Wright and played him with Jalen Adams – you could technically say John Adams is playing off the ball on offense, maybe. I don't know. I'm trying to be creative in some ways because it wouldn't – because your, your point is right. They're, they have four or five guys who can't play more than one spot, but having the other eight or nine guys be able to be very versatile between Bembry, who can kind of go one to three, Turner, same thing. Like, 
almost one to four, maybe not two, but one, three, four. Uh, Kevin Herter can play both, both wing spots. Collins and Spellman are both very versatile. DeAndre Hunter can basically go three, four. Reddish can play all over the place. They have lots of versatility, and that's not really what, ha- what was happening last year. They had some, but there is more of it now, and uh, that's it could be fun to experiment. And then I think I would encourage people to look beyond the rigidity of positions. Uh, the league is more positionless than it's ever been. Um, and it's more theory of like what you can do versus what position you play. And the Hawks are going to be uh, unlocking that more now, which uh, is fun for me and you, the, the, the nerds like to dive into this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing that I, I like to do in terms of positions, and I've written about this for, for early bird rights on, on my site is like the position you play is what, who can you defend? Are you a are, are you Trey Young where you can only defend point guards, or are you Evan Turner where you can defend both forward spots? You know, are you DeAndre Hunter who can defend both forward spots? Like those are the yeah, yeah yeah. I mean, Hunter can defend pretty much anybody. I mean, even you could even throw him up against some centers on switches and stuff, and he's going to be able to hold up physically. You know, eventually, maybe not in, initially when he first comes into the league, but he's he's somebody strong enough to where he'll be a one through five defender, I think at some point in his career. And so, you know, Hunter's got a lot of, of positional value in that sense. And then offensively, it's really more about like, what kind of role can you play, whether you can space the floor. I mean, like Dwayne Dedman last year, thinking about what he did as an offensive player, he was much more of a perimeter offensive player, but you wouldn't call him a three or a four right. on offense. You would just call him like a floor spacer. And, and John Collins was playing the four on defense, but was m- much more of a center on offense in terms of the way he was diving to the rim and pick and roll, the way he was, you know, jumping in on the offensive class. He was much more of a center traditionally on, on, on offense. And so, you know, I think roles are for, are for how you play on offense and positions are how you play on defense. We've talked about this uh, a bunch and I've written about it a bunch. So, you know, that's sort of how I think of these things. And Atlanta has a bunch of different kinds of lineups that they can throw out there. The fact that they're not in win now mode and they're not just trying to, to find the best, you know, few lineups to, to make things work. That's going to be really interesting for them because Pierce can really just can throw out pretty much any combination of five guys and just see if it works for a little bit. You know, I think that's, that's something that teams who are lower down the standings don't do enough of for me, you know, they, they sort of, they prioritize development of the young guys, which makes sense. And you want to put them into stable environments as much as they can to get consistent reps in those environments. But, you know, certainly when you got, when they have teams, you know, they have players that can do lots of different types of things, playing super weird lineups where DeAndre Hunter is the small ball center, like just try it. You know, there's, there's lots of different things that they can do and it'll be really interesting to see how, how experimental they get this year. Yep. I agree. Um, for now, uh, we know what the roster is at this moment. Again, as of 1.10 PM Eastern time, as we record here, things can change in a hurry. Um, logistically though, probably won't record another podcast unless something crazy happens tonight until I get to Las Vegas. I leave tomorrow for Vegas on Thursday. So, uh, the next time you'll hear that you hear my voice will be from Vegas. And we'll, uh, by the way, if you missed it, the, we had a summer league preview on this same feed yesterday. So there's plenty of summer league content there to go along with some free agency stuff. If you want to catch up on summer league and preview that. I also wrote a little bit, a little bit about summer league on the, on uh, peacetrips.com earlier this morning. Um, but that's probably good. Jeff, let's have something else on your, on your mind. Uh, if not, if not, please plug yourself and you are very, very, very busy this time of year. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me uh, at JG Siegel on Twitter at early bird rights on Twitter as well. Earlybirdrights.com is your home for everything free agency. You can find a, a constantly updating list of available free agents. If you're looking for a big man or a point guard or somebody like that for, for your favorite team, uh, you can find caps, you know, cap sheets for every team. Articles are going up. I've got one that is maybe two thirds written that should be up later today if I if I can get back to it. So you know, I'm going to 
to get that up there and and just you know the the Twitter sphere is is going nuts right now in terms of with it you know with everything that's that's going on. So I think uh, you know the best the best place to find everything is is on Twitter. Uh, and by the way, as an endorsement that you did not ask me to do, uh, within within I don't know thirty seconds of the uh, Chandler Parsons trade today, the early bird re- early bird rights cap sheet was updated for the Hawks. So uh, just keep that in mind. Jeff's the fastest and best in the business. I will say that and uh, check that out. Bookmark it. Um, one of my bookmarks on my on my top screen on my Chrome settings is early bird rights Hawks, so I can click and one click be one click away from a Hawks cap sheet in front of my face. And uh, I I also have access to Jeff directly, which is very helpful. But anyway, uh, thank you for joining me, sir. As always, and I'm sure we'll, we'll do it again very soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. As for everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast via the platform of your choice. And uh, as I said before, probably no podcast I'll get to Vegas, but uh, we'll have plenty from there on Summer League, for agency, and everything else. So please stay tuned for all of that.